So the best way by learning is actually by doing. So when you start small, you know, you're doing, when you're investing $10 versus $1,000, the process of investing it is actually exactly the same. finance, budgeting, cash flow, and investing don't have to be scary words. The We Talk Sense podcast is here to help you learn more about money and take control of your personal finances. The We Talk Sense podcast is not a financial advisor. This podcast is made for entertainment and educational purposes only. All information shared is of a general nature and does not take into account your personal situation. You should consider whether the information is appropriate for your needs and where appropriate, seek professional advice from a financial advisor. For more information, please check out wemoney.com.au slash disclaimer. Hello, my friends. How are we? My name is Blaze and you're joining me and just me today on this episode of We Talk Sense until we welcome in our very special guest. And if you're wondering where Dan is... He's actually left me in this studio, our virtual podcast studio, for a much better, more enticing studio, so I hear. He is going on Channel 9. Uh, we Money recently did some research about the state of the economy, and uh, yeah, Dan has been called in to be in front of the camera on the on the TV screen, so that's pretty exciting, and we'll uh, share a link to that on our socials. So if you want to see Dan on the, on the TV screen, check it out. But as a result, it's just you and I, which I am very excited about. And uh, in case you missed the news a few weeks ago, I actually announced that I will be sadly finishing up on the podcast. So this is my second last episode. So let's tuck in and make it a good one. Now, if you listened last week or the week before when we had Laureate Professor Claire Collins come and join us, Claire sent me a food budget, target, goal, whatever, challenge. Challenge is the word we'll go for. Uh, And what happened is I looked at my food spend last week and realized that more than 70% of the money that I was spending, I'm actually, I'm still embarrassed about this. And I know I shouldn't feel embarrassed because we've talked about money shame, but I just, I was so unaware of how much money I was spending on food. And when I looked at it, 70% of the money I was spending was on discretionary food items. So a coffee here, a meal out here. Um, And the 30% was on groceries at the shopping center. So I decided to give myself a bit of a challenge and see if I could flip that number and have a little bit of an update. And I did my best last week and I still have room for improvement, but my food spend at the grocery store versus out at the moment is about 50-50. And now I will put in a caveat to say that I did shout a friend a birthday meal last week. So my discretionary food spend was higher than normal um, and not as low as I wanted it. I was aiming for about 30% discretionary food, but that's okay because there's room for improvement. I'm aware of the issue and I'm working on it. So that's the update for Professor Claire Claire Collins' food food spend challenge. Um, I'd love to know, how are you going with your food spend? 
Did you, like me, also not realise that discretionary food items like a coffee out or like a Subway roll or your chalky milk in the drive-thru, uh, yeah, do, do they count in your budget? Hit us up on Instagram at getwemoney and let us know how are you tackling your food spend and has it been impacted since you are listened to the episode with Professor Claire Collins? Okie dokie news time and of course the biggest news of the week is that the RBA, the Reserve Bank of Australia, has hiked up their prices baby. They have set a new cash rate. So the cash rate has been boosted by half a percentage to 1.35% which is an increase from the 0.85% last month. So if you have a home loan and you're in a variable rate, it's pretty likely that your rate will increase. And uh, if you have a savings account, hopefully the banks will be passing on the increased uh, rate to you guys as well with your savings account. So yeah, it's been it's been over two years, well over two years since we've seen the cash rate sitting at above 1%. It was only a few months ago that we we're sitting at record lows at 0.1% for the cash rate. So this is a pretty big hike and I'm sure that a lot of us Aussies out there will be feeling the pinch. Let us know what you think about the cash rate and hopefully uh, this increase will do what, it's, do what it's designed for and that is slow inflation so we won't be paying $10 for a head of lettuce moving forward. Fingers crossed. Anywho, let's invite in today's guest. I am so excited. I have been planning this interview with the Lung Way, as you may know her from Instagram, or you may know her as Jessica Lung from Beta Shares, uh, for quite some time. And we are going to talk all about risk when it comes to investing. And I am so, so excited. Let's get into it. Today's guest has experience in investment risk management and has previously worked as an assistant portfolio manager at Macquarie Group. She's a licensed chartered financial analyst. Whew, say that say that three times fast. <laughs> and these days you'll find her operating as a portfolio manager at BetaShares ETFs in Australia. You've probably seen her daily double pop up on Instagram or maybe you've been educated and entertained by her fabulous reels on TikTok if you're one of her many thousands of followers glued to the handle at the long way. She's passionate about making investing accessible for everyone, and she joins us now live from Sydney after a few technical difficulties, but we've made it, and I'm so glad about it. Welcome, Jess Lung. How are you? Hi, Blaze. How are you? I'm so glad we made it too. <laughs> I am glad as well because I've been looking forward to this chat for quite a while now. We recently spoke to Kurt Walcom from Perla, and Kurt spoke to us all about the basics of investing and what to do and what to consider really when you're starting out and sort of gave us a bit of a broad overview of what investing is and how it can be really beneficial and great for building wealth. But today I want to take a little bit of a step further and learn about risk and actually building an investing plan. So you're a portfolio manager at BetaShares. What, what does that actually entail and why does that make you a wonderful guest to chat about uh, risk and investing today? So my role as a portfolio manager, I look after the underlying assets of the ETFs or our funds. So one of the funds that I look after is our global sustainability leaders. So the ticker is EFI, E-T-H-I. And so I manage all the positions and cash in that fund. So when you go invest your money into that fund, I'm the one that physically 
not takes your money, but uses your money to, <laughs> to go out to the market and invest in all the underlying stocks. Okay, cool. So if I was to think of this, so I've invested in a couple of ETFs before and ETFs mm -hmm. being like a large basket of many very various stocks in one sort of fund, right? So if I was to think of it in layman's terms, Jess, you'd be like my personal shopper. I've come to beta shares and I go, hey, I want to invest in an ETF. I give you my money and then you go, hey, a little portion of that is going to this company, a portion of that's going to this company, and you're sort of spending it out within the investment pool or the, the ETF itself? Yeah, that's that's perfectly right. So another, maybe we'll, we'll go with another example. So another one of our funds is Australian 200 or A200. So the largest 200 companies on the ASX. So when you uh, invest, theoretically, I take your money and go out and buy individual parcels of the 200 names to give you exposure. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Thank you for clarifying. Now, Jess, let's, let's get into it. When it comes to investing, you hear it in the podcast, in the books, all over Instagram, saying have a plan, stick to a plan. Why is it important to have a plan? And what kind of framework, like what's the, what's the big deal around having a plan? Why can we not just invest willy-nilly, I suppose? What's the importance behind it? Mm -hmm. So to sum it up in three words, or a little bit more than three words, it mm -hmm. gives you direction, motivation, and accountability. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, Let's just go on an example. So maybe I decide I want to go um, I hop into the car and go on a road trip. But then where do I want to go? I'm not sure. How long do I want to go for? I don't know. What do I need to pack or what's the weather like? I'm not sure. So it's really just devising a plan to help you um, achieve your goals. Okay, so that sounds like the worst road trip guest road trip <laughs> guest ever. I would be so annoyed if I, there was nowhere to go, no yeah. plan, no time limit. So yeah. no snacks, so no, oh. not, not a good trip at all. No, uh, so sneaky side note: you can't get past pods for a car snack. In my opinion, <gasps> they're salty, sweet, chocolate. Mm, favorite road trip snack. Noted. I'll buy that next time. <laughs> definitely, definitely give them a go. Now, when it comes to actually building this framework or building out this plan, what are the steps that, like, what happens before the plan? Do you start with the plan? Are there things you need to assess before that? How do you actually get started with the plan? Yeah, so it's kind of a um, common misconception that people have is that, you know, when you invest, you go straight into it and then you invest all your money. But actually, when you invest, the buying of the stocks or buying of the ETFs or buying of the whatever you're investing in is actually the last step. And there's mm -hmm. a lot of prep work and thoughts that needs to be put in before you invest. So I kind of like to think about this as your your step zero or the prep even before you start investing. Mm -hmm. So number one, always go through your finances, create a budget, pay down any high interest debt, and have an emergency fund of three to six months of your living expenses. Mm -hmm. And the most important thing when you're investing is that you invest with money that you can afford to invest with. Mm. Mm. So money that it's it's not money that could potentially be going towards your rent or money that you need for your groceries. It's sort of that discretionary income that doesn't really have it, it can be taken from other areas of your life. Yeah, so maybe. So I'm sure we'll cover this later, but most investments, your funds will probably be locked up for at least three, five, seven years. So I think mm. or use money that you probably won't need or you're 100% certain that you don't need it for emergency or anything else within the upcoming future. Yeah, so we had have a budget. Was there another point to that one? Uh, pay down any high interest rate if you have mm -hmm. and have an emergency fund. Emergency fund, all right, great. 
something that I've learned about a little bit in the past, and we've talked about sort of briefly on the show, is about risk and having risk profiles. Now, my understanding is that whether or not you are likely to take big, make big risky decisions or whether you sort of shy away from making risky decisions can actually have a pretty big impact on maybe the way you set up your plan or your style of investing. What is a risk profile and how do you measure them? Yep, so a risk profile is an evaluation of one's appropriate level of risk to take on. So essentially, it's their capacity and their willingness to take on risk. So for example, even though one person, they have a lot of capacity as in, you know, they're young, they have a long time frame, long time horizon, and they can afford to take on a lot of risk because time is, you know, on their side, but they don't, they don't like the volatility, they can't stomach it. So that's their um, willingness to take on risk. So everyone's a bit different. It works as a spectrum, but at the end of the day, it's really up to you. Your goal is what you want to achieve and what you want to take on. Okay. So I think for me personally, I think I'd probably say that I'd take on medium risk. I like to take a little bit of risk, but I would be terrified of losing everything that I have. Um, what about yourself for your own personal investments? Do you know what kind of risk profile you have? So I come from a bit more of an analytical point of view. So just given my age and given my goals, I know that I should be more of an aggressive investor. So what that means is someone who wants to maximise their returns by taking on high exposure to risk and are willing to stomach the potentially large short-term movements. But, you know, deep down when sometimes you see those large movements, you're like, "Uh, uh, do I really, can I? Yeah. Yep, yep. There's definitely some hesitation there. And then especially with everything that's been happening lately, it feels like all of the markets are down, everything's in the red. So it can be a bit of a roller coaster, which I uh, sympathize with. When it comes to investing, are there risks outside of potentially losing your money? Like what are the risks when it comes to investing? Mm -hmm. So the risk of potentially losing your money, how we like to call that is just market risk. So the market or the price movements of your investment. And if we're talking about ETFs, a common misconception is that people think ETF is an investment of its own, when actually it's just a vehicle for you to access your investment. So going back to the A200 example, Mm -hmm. your risk is actually to the underlying assets or to each of the price movements of the underlying 200 stocks itself. Uh, So that's one thing. And then another one which is quite, um, which fits quite well into the current climate is geopolitical risk. Mm. So that's just with all the, for example, the Russia and the Ukraine conflict that's going on and that's led on to, for example, supply issues and price movements as well. And um, country or sector risk is another one. So if I just invest in, domestic shares or Australian shares, then uh, all my risk is prone to whatever happening in Australia and, and vice versa if I'm investing in international shares. So risk, it, it sounds like quite a bit more complex than I was imagining. There's so many different factors that can impact the price of stocks. When it comes to like an individual investor level, like someone like yourself or, me, or myself, if I put in $500 into an ETF, is the worst thing that can happen that I lose is like the biggest damage that can occur or the worst thing that can happen that I lose that original investment or can more, can I lose more? Or can I put myself at risk of being up for more cash than I put in or is it just the original, losing the original deposit? Yeah, so when you're investing with shares, the maximum it can go down to value is zero. So um, the worst outcome is if you lose all your money or the value of your share goes to zero or potentially, but maybe a more realistic outcome is 
when your investments are down and you need the cash so you sell and you crystallize on that loss because mm. mm. we always say a loss is never a loss until you crystallize it so that's why a time horizon is so important so even though the current market movement is down but if you have a long time horizon and you're still 20 30 years away from retirement your investments have time to recover from this downfall all right so talking about time horizon what exactly is time horizon and how can you determine what the right time horizon is for you, your goals and your own investing plan? Yeah, so time horizon, it's a really important consideration and it can ultimately help you decide in what type of investments to go into. So there's not really hard and fast rules, but as a general rule of thumb, we kind of like to divide them up into short term versus long term goals. So short term is something that you want to achieve in the near future. So maybe within the next few years, uh, it might be, for example, an overseas holiday or like a big rental project that you have at home. Mm -hmm. So because it's short term in nature, what you want to do is you want to reduce the risk of loss because you don't have time to recover. So you might decide to hold the funds in cash or invest in cash like vehicles. And then on the other end, you have your longer term investments. So goals that can take a lot more planning and effort to achieve and the time frame of that can stretch potentially from five to potentially the next couple of decades down the track. So the most common examples is building wealth for retirement or working towards financial independence. Yeah, this ties into one of the, you see it everywhere. It's a quote that is retweeted, reposted, shared absolutely everywhere. And it's um, best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. And the second best time is now or today. I probably butchered that quote, but yeah, <laughs> talking about the time horizon and that just getting started and realizing when you have a lot of time ahead of you, you have a lot of time to, like you say, make those gains and build your wealth and hopefully let time work on your side and increase the value of your stocks. Yeah, for sure. So volatility is a bigger risk short term compared to the long term. So going back to that example, if you have 30 years to retirement, so let's just say there's a big market movement that causes the value of your investments to fall by, say, 20, 30, 40%. Um, and that's actually not that big of a danger because you do have 30 years to recover and to track in terms mm. of performance. But on the other hand, if that same movement occurred a year before you retire, then that will have a big impact and can really derail your retirement plans. All right, so there's still risk, but uh, yeah, having that having that time to recover and recoup really is is quite beneficial and comforting, I suppose, <laughs> suppose for for those investors with a long term time horizon. Mm. So we didn't cover this before, but on the other end, so we have volatility as one big risk, but another big risk that applies to everyone is that when it comes to retirement, they just don't have enough funds. And that's either because you didn't save enough or your uh, or invest enough or that your investments didn't meet the return objective. So for example, um, for you to meet your retirement goals, you actually had to achieve X percent of returns every year for you to achieve your final number. So that, but you ended up uh, going on a more conservative investment that didn't really achieve your investment returns. So that's why it's really important to A, set out your goals and objectives mm. that are appropriate for your stage in life and that are appropriate for your goals to make sure that your needs are met when you when you retire. Yeah, for sure. I um I have a confession in that. Before I started uh, We Talk Sense and before I started <laughs> learning about money, I sort of had the approach that was you know, one day I will grow up and I'll just have enough money. Like I'll just, you know, I'll retire and I'll be chilling. I'll be taking my holidays. And I thought, you know, I'll be an adult and I'll be not worrying about paying bills or paying rent. 
And that is just not the case. When you're not paying any attention to your money and you're not have no awareness around it, I had, I had no idea. And now, you know, learning about money and starting to budget and invest has been really beneficial. But I just thought that one day I would get there. And that will we just uh, butt in and say you're not the only one. So <laughs> I, <laughs> well, I have the same thoughts. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. But it's 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 nice to know that when you are, you know, in the context of this discussion of making a plan, setting that goal out so that you can live comfortably because, hey, you've worked hard. You mm. deserve to have a good retirement. You deserve to not be stressed financially or worried about these things when you're older. So, or even now. So, yeah, I really, I really like your approach to making the plan and thinking about, hey, when I get to that age or when I retire, I want to make sure that I have enough. Mm, and then, because I think a common misconception also is, oh, we have our superannuation, so we have money when we retire, so you don't really need to worry about it. But mm. most people don't realize that it's probably not going to be enough for the lifestyle that they want when they retire. So it's better to start thinking about it earlier and be on top of it. Yes, yes, 100%. We actually had a really lovely interview with Trenna Probert from Super Fierce. So if you are interested in learning more about superannuation, tune back. It's about six episodes ago. I definitely highly recommend listening to Trenna because she's so excited about superannuation. <laughs> if you need motivation, you should, that's the episode you need to listen to. me just jumping in here don't worry the interview is not over i just wanted to take a moment to tell you a little bit about we money the producer of this podcast we money is an incredible finance app i use it every day and i use it to check my credit score the account balances of all my different accounts the great thing about WeMoney is that you can connect all of your accounts in one place. So if you have multiple bank accounts with different banks, you have a savings account, a mortgage account, maybe you have a credit card, maybe you've got a PayPal account, a spaceship investing account, maybe you have a Perla investing account. If you have any of these accounts, you can actually connect them all directly in the WeMoney app and get a full picture of your financial health in one go. So if you want to have a look at your net worth, or if you even want to get some cool tips from the WeMoney community, all you need to do is check out the WeMoney app. It's free, and if you download it using the code word PODCAST, you'll earn $5 on sign-up when you connect an eligible bank account. All right, let's get back to the show. Now, when it comes to actually making a plan, we've done, before you make the plan, you, we had making a budget, paying off high-interest debts, and getting an emergency fund ready. So tick, 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 that's done and dusted, sitting down and making a plan. Is it, how do you actually do it? Do you have your plan written down? Is it something in your head? Is it an Excel spreadsheet? Like what, what does it actually look like when you're coming to making it? Mm -hmm. So I guess for me personally, I have, you know, I have all these ideas all the time and I get really excited, but then I'm, I lose motivation really quickly. Mm -hmm. So that's why um. I like to set myself up for success. And let's be honest, no one likes to fail, right? So, <laughs> so what I like to do is I like to break down my goals into smaller achievable goals at a time. Mm -hmm. So let's just take a really easy example. Let's say I want to save $12,000 by the end of the year. So what does that mean? That means each month I just need to save 1000 And likewise, if I want to invest, let's say 12000 then each month I want to contribute at least 1000 for my paycheck every single month. And then I would always do that or pay myself first. So going back to what a plan looks like, so that 
really does depend on how you've classified the time horizon. So going back to short term versus long term, and then you bucket your investments or bucket your money. So I have a project I'm saving for a house deposit or for my retirement. So there's lots of uh, calculators or websites or those five calculators that's just you kind of put in your your living expenses and they kind of spit out a pseudo retirement figure for you to live off. So you just kind of work off that as a high level and then try to add to it as you go. So in this case, it's determining how much risk you're willing to take, how long you want to invest for, figuring out your end investing goal and then just breaking it down. It's kind of like like any goal, really, or mm. like making a plan for anything. You sort of figure out, hey, what's the end result that I want? Considering all, all of the factors involved, how do I actually break it down and get there? Yeah. And the best thing is that once you have a plan, you have something to keep yourself accountable and keep you on track. I love that. So I have a little bit of a plan and... Well, I, I have I have an idea of a plan and I haven't actually, because we haven't had this conversation, Jess, I've been waiting to, to boost it up. At the moment, my plan for me looks like every week, 20% of my income goes into a bank account that then that says invest this money. And then when I am ready, I decide whether or not I put it into, I do micro investing at the moment. So whether I put it into my spaceship account or my raise account or into um, an ETF. And so I sort of just decide on a whim on the day what I'm feeling like. And sometimes I'll log in and go, oh, this 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 is down today. So maybe this is a good opportunity to buy. But outside of that, I have no plan. I don't have a time horizon. I haven't really looked at my risk profile. So that's definitely something I could do personally to improve the plan. Is there anything that's missing in that that you would you think that I could approach differently? Mm-hmm. I guess or maybe we can change the mindset around it a bit differently because for lots of people that are just starting to invest, this definitely can be very overwhelming and mm. it's very understandable as so. So maybe when you're starting off, let's, you know, just don't put so much pressure on yourself and actually why don't you focus on how much you can actually afford to invest. So instead of working backwards and going, hey, I need X million dollars by the time I'm 60 and that's 40, 30 years away and that that just seems so unachievable. At this point in day, with my current income, my budget, and minus my living expenses, how much can I actually afford to invest each month? And then you build up. So you go from there and you build up a small nest egg until you have a larger portfolio. And then you can go on a deeper dive. I love that. And I think the, the, the something I like about that is that it's like... Um, taking you're making it even smaller and more manageable it's like when you're building a habit right Mm -hmm. you want to do the tiniest 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 thing the smallest action and you want to do that repetitively to then build up the habit so if investing is really intimidating or really scary you'll you actually don't really know what the heck you're doing i answer yes to all three of those Mm -hmm. um then if it is just putting aside ten dollars a week or investing ten dollars in a micro investing account a week, that is better than going, oh, I've got analysis paralysis, I have no idea what to do or where to start. Just doing the small action and building on that, like you say, until you get a bit of a nest egg or a bit more confidence, mm-hmm. that can be a really good way to start out. For sure. And then because, you know, when you, um, there's so many textbooks, there's so many articles, there's so many things that you can read. But honestly, it's like going back to uni days. When you read a textbook, how much of the stuff did you actually understand? Not not that much, right? So the best way by learning is actually by doing. So when you start small, you know, you're doing, when you're investing $10 versus $1,000, the process of investing it is actually exactly the same. So with $10, there's 
less money at risk. So you psychologically feel a lot better because there's less of a burden. So then you're more interested in it. And then you learn more about the process and become more confident in yourself. And then when you do so, then you can slowly add on increments to it as you go. Yes, I love that approach. Now, let's talk about volatility. So you've mentioned before that the market can be quite volatile and unpredictable. What? How do you keep a level head when you log in and you see that everything's down or everything's up? Like, how are you, how are you holding on when you're riding this roller coaster of, of investing and watching your wealth dip and grow and dip and grow over and over again? So coming back to the theme of today's episode, that's why it's so important to have an investment goal and to have your objectives laid and mapped out. So that will really help you take the emotion out of it. You know, it distances you, your money, and from what's happening in the market right at this point in time. Because, you know, I'm investing for my long-term goals in the future in 20, 30 years' time. So all I need to do is take a step back, distance myself, and just keep sticking to my plan. Perfect. Jess, can you please explain to me uh, in your terms what dividends are and how do they need to be included in your plan? Are dividends part of the plan? So what is a dividend? A dividend is a distribution of a company's profits to its shareholders. So let's say company A, they make $100 profit. So what can they do with that money? They can either reinvest it back into the business for future growth. So for example, buy new machinery or hire new developers and research. Or what they can do is distribute that $100 back or, or any portion of that 100 back to its shareholders and you will receive that as a dividend. The second part of the question whether they need to be included in your plan as well. The answer to that is it depends on you, your goals and your needs. So uh, for dividends, you can either receive them in cash or elect to get them reinvested, so DRP. Um, So for those that want to supplement their income or just like receiving cash in their bank accounts, they can do that. And or else you can just get it automatically reinvested back into your investments. Okay, great. So you can change it to depending on your plan. Dividends sound they're like a little pocket money. Every couple of months you get a little little boost mm-hmm. and uh, whether that's a boost in your portfolio or a little boost in your bank account, either way, sounds great. So what I mean by going back to your investment plans and goals is if you're investing for long-term retirement in 30 years' time and you don't need that extra little bit of cash every here and then, so maybe it's best or maybe it's better suited for you to elect for them to be reinvested back as units into your investment. Mm. While as someone that has lower income or that's near retirement or at retirement, they actually like the cash flow to supplement their income or they don't have another source of income. So, yeah. That makes sense. It, re- it really depends on your own situation and what, what, what stage of life you're in. Mm-hmm. Cool. And now, Jess, last question for you. What, in your opinion, is the most important thing to consider to start before you start investing? If you're a beginner, What's the one thing you should keep in mind? When you're a beginner, I always think start small, you know, so it's less stressful so that you get more confident in yourself in the process. One important thing to consider, I think, is to think about what kind of investor you want to be. So some people like to be very hands-on. They like to spend many hours researching and managing their portfolio, while some people, they don't want to, you know, they just want to kind of set and forget and and have automatically invested each month or however often they can afford to and just let it build in the back end. Great. Uh, definitely less hands on the better in my personal opinion, but I can completely understand. I know I have friends that would spend many, many hours researching and it's just, I, I suppose it's just your approach and how interested you are and how involved you want to be. 
Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, Jess, thank you so much for joining us today. It was such a pleasure having getting to chat to a portfolio manager. So cool. And uh, we're really grateful that you came and spent some time on the show. If our listeners want to find out more about yourself, where can they go? Or if they want to find out more about BetaShares. So if you want to find out more about BetaShares, you can go to our website, betashares.com.au. We have lots of great content from market insights to educational pieces. And me personally, you can find me on my social handles, The Long Way, so T-H-E-L-E-U-N-G-W-A-Y. I'm on Instagram and TikTok. Yes, you certainly are. And uh, if you follow her on TikTok or Instagram, you'll probably see me liking all of her stuff. So (laughs) I love everything you put out. Thanks, Jess. Keep up the great work. And I look forward to tomorrow's Daily Dabble. Thanks, Blaze. I had such a blast. Well, there it is. Second last episode for me. Done and dusted. It's bittersweet, but thank you for joining me. Uh, It's a pleasure as always, and I cannot wait for next week. I've got a really special final episode planned. If you want to reach out or you have any questions for me or any feedback for the show, anything at all, you can find me in the WeMoney community in the app as Blaze, or you can slide into our DMs on Instagram at GetWeMoney. So this is your last chance. If you have any final questions or anything you'd like covered, or if you've got any messages at all, I would love, love, love to hear them. It makes my day when I hear from my listeners, so please do get in touch. Uh, It has been a pleasure as always. I hope you have a fabulous week ahead and I cannot wait to chat to you next week. Have a good one.